there's there's nothing more liberating than you know being nude around hot pressurized vessels. <laughs> uh, now that's brave. Yeah. Well, some call it bravery, others call it Tuesday. I, I thought that there was an interesting thing that came up in a conversation I had at work today that people were like, and I, I think there's some truth to it. The distilling industry isn't really creating too many new things. I think that's a very good topic. Yeah. The innovation side of the conversation. Especially as a company that is known for innovation. Where are we with innovation in the distillation industry? And this goes across... Every size, macro, double macro, triple macro, micro. Mini micro. Like, yeah, like what is really innovative? I feel like uh, it was brought up to me today. Someone said it's kind of in a in its lag phase right now. Like there's not a whole lot of new going on, right? Flavored whiskeys have kind of shit to bed. Maybe it's bourbon cream. Maybe it's bourbon cream. We're waiting for that really to God damn right gold. it is. But like gins, <laughs> experimental gins. It's funny because, you know, Colton talked to the Australians and, like, they're, they're doing some interesting stuff with gins. And, but it's not – nothing's really – what is really new? Are we not being innovative? And how do we be innovative? How much of that is because we're coming up against, say, the standards of identity? Is that starting to hold us back or is it more just a market constraint where people aren't buying it? I mean, there's, there's standards of identity and there's, there's also just – trying to break into the market with something that's kind of weird and unknown. I think one of the, you know, obviously one of the big things that you, the walls that you hit is most people experience your product the first time at a bar, right? And usually a bar is loud and crowded and it's a quick decision. Not the bars I go to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're dark and quiet. Yes. Um, <laughs> also not bars, they're just his guest bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But so, I I mean, you know, usually they're, you know, sans Zeno, but uh, they're loud and, you know, you're making quick decisions, so you, you go with something that you know. Right. And I think that's so that kind of... You're saying that... That kind of helps drive... Bourbon, vodka. The consumer doesn't want to take risk then, you're saying? Yeah, like, oh, maybe I'll try this new company I haven't had or a new brand I haven't had, but at least I know it's going to taste like a gin or it's going to taste like a bourbon. So not everyone's coming in ordering a Malort with a Slim Jim in it. That's that's exactly right. (laughs) So do you think there's actual consumer fatigue with these kind of weird one-off products? I don't think it's fatigue. I think that, you know, I think the beer had an easier time where even when you're ordering these weird kind of beers, it still has that sort of beer flavor in the background. And then spirits, spirits can be anywhere, right? Spirits can be any kind of flavor you want. Right. Well, how do you stay? So like, so like okay, so how as a producer – you stay fresh and I'm going to use you as a freaking golden example, right? Say what you want about Corsair, but you're known like, Oh yeah, it's, it's supposed to be creative and cutting edge and different, but 
it's not as much as it was five years ago or three years sure. ago, even for that matter. Right. So where do and you, go? some of that's the market pressure though, right? Like you can only have so many SKUs before you're not making money. Yeah. I mean, part of that, you know, we've, we've actively tried to start scaling back because it was just getting too much at a point. It's at, especially at a point there was, Hey, there's X many number of consumers that are going to buy weird shit. The more weird shit we put out, the more we're stealing products from our own customers, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and that always that goes back to the thing yeah. that I always, you know, I've been saying a lot is I can sell anyone a bottle once. Yeah. Right. I need him I need him to go back and go back and go back again. And I think that's yeah. what's kind of hindering innovation right now. But I really try and rack my brain on is it so are people trying to be innovative, just making the old new again? And I mean, so is is vodka going to make a big comeback? I bet it is. <laughs> every year, every year, someone someone says rum, yeah, exactly. or brandy. Right. Those two, someone's always saying rum and brandy. It usually alternates. But I will tell you one trend I am starting to notice, which is kind of interesting, and I don't. It it's kind of innovation, but it's also a touch of marketing and categorization. I'm seeing a lot more local varieties. Yeah. You know, people trying to pit, you know, put their, hang their hat on a local category that will differentiate them on a national scale or at least hyper local. Cause then it simplifies the education for the customer. A few examples are obviously, you know, Tennessee whiskey has gotten a little more traction with the, you know, the increase of the number of distilleries there. Uh, Empire Rye out of New York. One I just learned about last week was, uh, I believe it's Jay Rieger out of Kansas City. They're doing an old school whiskey where they actually add in sherry. They're not just putting it in sherry casks. They're actually adding a percentage of sherry to the whiskey itself. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. So, and that's an old school, you know, like you said, making old new again. But they're calling it Kansas City whiskey, and they were they were able to get the TTB to allow that. It's not its own category, so there's no standards behind it. But we're starting to see people trying to build brands around that. You know, Kansas City whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, Empire Rye, things like that. I think we're going to see more of those. What do you guys think of that? Do you think that's I I, th- I think that act- there's there's definitely some motive with that. There's you know uh, not that I can say too much, but Louisiana rum should be a thing. Uh, there is a terroir and microbiological species that are on the sugar cane here that are unique to any other place in the world. And I assure you, there's a shit ton of sugar cane here. Um, So I think that... I'm just using that as an example because that's where I live now. But there's a lot of those scenarios. I do think... You're not going to add the innovation of flavors or being super esoteric to your point colton i don't know that that's a model that's successful now where the mark where the industry is right i don't know could I mean, someone come out with a triple smoke now that's kind of what i was getting well yeah i think someone definitely could come out with a triple smoke because I, I think the reason triple smoke has done really well to begin with is that it's slightly familiar with a twist right it's still it's very close to scotch. It has it's a peated single malt. It just has other smokes in it. Where I think you know one of the things we run into is <clears throat> when we were making all these crazy kind of 
you know, whatever grain we could find recipes is like you said, we were, we were ending up with people would buy that bottle once and then to get that, that consumer to buy a second bottle, we had to make a second product, which is a business model. We, we could have, you know, just been small scale products constantly. Uh, but it's, it's not a business model. I, I personally want to, you know, constantly stress over. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of overhead when you're trying to do that because you're yeah. constantly having to come up with new label designs, packaging. Yeah, it's, just, it's a constant resale versus, you know, just easy sale, I guess. Right. What do you think, Brian? Like, you know, we're talking about it as producers. I mean, it's something that you can only get so creative with your, your mash bill and your distillation technique and even the product that you're making. You know, there are guidelines that we live within the TTB guidelines for one, as you said it, but like even now say, say the American single malt thing gets changed and you can't, I still don't see that as super innovative. No, I I actually think think that's actually the opposite direction. I mean, it might help us. Sorry, Brian. I'm I'm no, we're good. Jump all over no, you. No, fuck you, uh, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm out. Fuck you guys. The the single malt thing is, if you look at the standard of identity that we're asking for, it's actually, it's very close to the Scotch standard. It, it's not going to help us. Yeah, as American producers, it's not going to help us, you know, innovate that much. It's just going to be like a tiny bit more freedom to do more classic styles than we are able to do now. So uh, I keep coming back to the regional side. I think that's where it's going to happen most likely because there's some benefits to having a regional one. You can hyper-focus your marketing. You already have the benefit (laughs) of kind of having that local terroir, you know, kind of benefit you. Uh, It's going to be hard to get something super innovative, popular on a national scale because you have to educate a consumer I mean, when I was in Chicago, the most interesting product and actually one of the best products I had was a whiskey with figs. They didn't include it. And I can't remember the exact process they did, but it added a really interesting flavor profile to it. So I think it goes back to what you said, Zeno, kind of uh, old is new or they're going to take a base product and they're going to twist it a little bit. And I think I mean, isn't that really what we're talking about with innovation anyway? Because how often do you see a brand new product? product category like a rye grass you know spirit made of rye grass and you know that how often does that come along and how often does the fda allow something like that to happen you're not going to be able to market that on a national scale on a craft distilling budget. so do you think someone making a monongahela rye is innovative i mean no it's not it's you know they'll make it but it's regional that it, it, they'll make it better yeah. than they made it a hundred years ago because we have better technology and process. I guess it comes it, down to the definition of innovation. What are you talking about? When we're talking innovation, are we talking like disruptive Silicon Valley, brand new, you know, products yeah. and apps that completely yeah, change the world? What's the Facebook whiskey? <laughs> right, exactly. Or are we talking just, again, being creative and doing things that say the double macro doesn't? So, you know, we've, I've heard this, you know, forever now, the idea that double macro is the cruise ship that can't, you know, that takes a week to turn 
and craft are these little dinghies that can zip all around and do innovative, interesting things. Now, I think you have to, I feel like when we talk innovation, we're talking about either bringing back old products that no one else is currently doing, or you're just slightly doing a variation on something, you know, most of these products are going to be some sort of whiskey or they're going to be some sort of gin and you're just twisting them, playing well, with them, I, I trying think, to add, you know, a new score to an old symphony. so to speak. I think that's kind of unfair because, you know, at least the way the debt, you know, TTB is a blessing and a curse where it's laid out and whiskey is such a broad category. Vodka is such yeah. a broad category that I can make something that's, you know, so far from what Jim Beam makes and still be pretty similar to their whiskey. You can make their yeah. exact grain bill and be totally different. Right? Well, yeah, but just I, but I wasn't even, I wasn't even trying to go there. I, I was saying more just, you know, I can use, you know, whiskey is just grain based spirit. So that's such a humongous category, you know, find some weird grain, Right, I guess Somewhere I guess I'm no selfish. one's ever heard of, and it's and still I, whiskey. I, I'm selfish, and I just don't want to drink more craft bourbons and rice. Yeah, but no, for sure. I yes, You're, it's going to be agree. really hard to have a business model off a craft producer <laughs> doing just bourbon because the economies of scale are going to kill you. I mean, that's we're starting to see attrition. I mean, the number of new entrants are still beating out the people falling off. But and I don't want to be a doomsayer, but there. We're at that point now in our industry in the United States where you've got distilleries between four and six years old. They haven't made a profit for four or six years. They're going to start going out of business, and we're seeing it already. And that's because if you're going to do just a traditional bourbon, traditional vodka, something like that, unless you have a really good marketing pitch and you've managed to get a bunch of PR and really good distribution early on, it's going to be tough to do it. All right, here's here's my argument against that. Well, maybe not against that, but so we've made, you know, just a bunch of weird grain, you know, whatever you can think of type products. And I've made a lot of things that really sewn it hard there. Yeah. yeah. I've made a lot of things that You've I that me. I love, a lot of things that I think are terrible. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Yes, <laughs> mostly on the things that you love. Yeah. So, <laughs> no matter what, if I like our bourbon or not, if I put the word bourbon on it, it sells so much faster than my favorite product that I've ever made. Yeah, and it, you know, just it just sell, and like even if I think that bourbon is terrible, but is that is that I don't because I made it. Is that so. unique to you though? Because no, no. I think years? it's just. I no. I think it's just the industry in general. I think it's right. just. It's the word. Okay, so that's a really good point. That's a really good counterpoint that a classic product is going to sell because it's got consumer awareness. You don't have to educate that consumer. They know bourbon in their mind. It's going to be good. They're going to try it, or at least they assume it's something that they're going to like and be good. Or it's going to be something that they can easily compare your product to someone else. I think so that's, that helps I them think gauge that's your quality. It. I think it's. I yeah. think it's the easy so, the the word easy, right? So it's an yeah, it's an easily to consume and understand product. I think in, innovation to the consumer is hard, and that's what make you know you got to really push it to. The fact is, and this is a shitty answer, but there's no silver bullet. You can't just go crazy one way with innovation, coming up with balls out insane products and hope to make it. And you also can't just make 
pure bourbon, unless you have a really good facility and you can really sit on it for a long time and you have some really good plans for distribution. I mean, it can happen. There are people doing just bourbon, just whiskeys and doing really well on a small to mid, you know, tier scale. But you got to be you have to have enough capital to survive to the point where you're actually making money. And I think that's what it comes down to. So you could just make one staple product and survive and do fine. But you've got to have the capital to survive that whatever that is, four to six years. If you don't, you're fucked and you're not going to make it. So you can't do just pure traditional and you can't do crazy innovative all on its own. You have to find that sweet spot kind of balance. Yeah, you got to find the sweet spot. Otherwise, I don't all right, know. so how would you how would you be innovative when making a bourbon or a rye? And I'm I'm gonna call you out here. You're wearing a goddamn peerless t shirt. I could see it. So <laughs> you know, they made a two year rye, right? And it mm-hmm. kind of fucking exploded. Would you call it innovative? I would definitely call it successful. And to be honest with you, Pat, it's it's tasty. I can't say anything bad it about it. Uh, it's still a little yeah. green, but it's two freaking years old. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. so, and I know they innovated, but they, you know, they went into the barrels a little lower proof and things like that. But I think Peerless is the exception that proves the rule because they are pure tradition. They're not doing anything out of, you know, out of bounds. They're not doing some crazy. You know, they're not adding figs. They're not adding sherry. They're not doing, you know, orange peel, citrus, lime, whatever the fuck. You know, they're doing traditional rye based on old school mentality, which matches up with their story. And I think that really the thing they've got going for them, one is just honestly, again, pure fucking capital. You know, those got Quirky and Carson. They have money. They're down to earth. They're smart. They're incredibly good business people. They plan for the long haul. This is the thing I just learned, which is crazy. I've never heard of this before in our spirits industry. They actually set up their business plan where it's a five-generation trust. <laughs> they cannot sell Kentucky Peerless for five generations. It's locked into a trust. That company can only be run by basically it's set out in certain blood relatives, essentially. And I don't know the exact stipulations of how the board is set up or anything That like sounds that, very Kentucky. It's, it's very Kentucky. That's exactly it. The reason that works, the reason they're successful is one goes back to my point of capital. They have enough capital to survive for five generations. You know, they can basically plan out that they can lose money, not just for five years, but for multiple generations before they run into problems. Very few other companies, individuals can do anything like that. So they can get away with trying to basically rebuild an old classic brand from Kentucky, which is the whole point. They've got family tradition. They've got legacy. Wait, they've does, got awesome. Do you story. think their business plan involves inflation? Cause I can't imagine what five generations, like are they saying, well, you know, in five generations, you know, we'll have $6 trillion, but it'll be worth, you know, 30 bucks. So. <laughs> I, I hope that answered your question when it comes to peerless. So wait, so you're saying pure capital allows you not to be innovative. Yeah. Ugh. What else do you want me to say to that? I mean, this yeah. is a fucking business. I'm not arguing with you. I just, I'm not happy about it either. I'm not a producer. I'm just a media asshole. So I can kind of call it like I see it in terms of the big picture. Yeah. I think I pure think capital allows you to be innovative too. Like if you, if you have a safety net, you're absolutely you're like, oh, right. I can make triple smoke and. Well, all right, but hold smoke. on. Let's like, but, like, so I think I, the only point I want to bring up is I think we, 
can't get trapped in the idea that the only way to innovate is the actual product flavor profile. There are other ways to innovate, either with your production methods, your marketing, your how you train your employees, how you do your branding. So there are other ways to innovate, too, that are worth noting. I don't think that goes to the heart of what this conversation is about, but it's worth noting that. I, this is a sort of innovating with capital and not like, – let's talk about Bentley Heritage. Mm-hmm. They're about to make an oat vodka. The only way you can do that is with a shit ton of capital. Yeah. Oat is, you know, it's it's not a profitable yeah. grain to make alcohol out of. Yeah. That sounds awful. Like, but as no a producer, one's really... that sounds like a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure that, you know, if you have the right equipment, I'm sure it's a breeze. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they have plenty of equipment. That's... Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's, when... that's the point is nobody's... nobody's done that because the you know the capital and motivation to innovate wasn't there right b if if it was easy you know i like beam beam would have done it but it wasn't so (laughs) yeah i mean i I don't know that you need to look at the macro side for innovation to be honest with you i mean there's not that it's not there but that's not really the shtick they're more fast follow each other and they all kind of run the same race um, yeah, but I, I think that, you know, you're, you kind of hit on a good point there, Brian, like it's not how you position your product. And I mean, I'm falling into that now. I'm, you know, I'm making a freaking vodka that is not a traditional vodka, right? It doesn't, it doesn't taste like kettle one and gray goose and Belvedere and, I, I could keep knowing it. like it doesn't it doesn't really it kind of stands a little bit differently from those and I think the way we position it you have to be firm in your message and like as a company we have to have the same lexicon of how we speak about our product and what we're trying to do and make a more traditional almost European style vodka right, right? and that's that's weird right so there is risk involved but that's how we're trying to be innovative. Is it going to be successful? Well, I certainly hope so. Uh, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm learning. I'm having fun trying to do it. But it's, it's a- I mean, it's still, it's still innovative regardless of success. Right, because, right, yeah. I mean, let's, there's a lot of things, like, it, and it goes into how, how, are you, how are you being innovative. I hate to say that for a craft, you know, if I, I fall in the craft category, which I definitely do now, um, the way it works is like we're being innovative that we're making it from scratch, right? Which a lot yep. of craft places aren't doing that. They do innovative filtration or or how they proof down or those kind of things, right? Actually, my buddy was just at the... That has got to be the most hilarious idea. Innovative filtration. Dude. <laughs> so Lee, my friend Lee... <laughs> says the guy from t- Tennessee. Lee Johnson. Man, that was innovative in the 1880s. (laughs) Lee Johnson texted me. He was at the Nashville Predators game. And around, like, the side, you know, on the screen coming around, it was like the smoothest tasting vodka, period. 25 times distilled, three times platinum filtered. The smoothest tasting vodka, period, exclamation point. Maybe, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man!" And so he said, "According to the Preds advertising, you should distill your vodka twenty-five times and filter it through platinum three times." <laughs> so I mean, there's definitely 
is that a marketing innovation? Is it a production innovation? Is it both? I don't know. I mean, they're not talking about my vodka at National Hockey League games, so yet. I mean, I, well, I, okay, yet. so I, I think that brings up a good point. What we've been talking about is definitely exclusively product product production innovation. I don't think, at least Cena and I, we. I don't think we have any business talking marketing innovation or, you know, like anything like that. No, no. But I think, right? so, but like, let's be honest, Colton, when push comes to the shove. I mean, yeah, it's, that's 60% of a, or 80%, 90% of, product, of what right? you do. Um, <laughs> so, but like, let's be honest though, like we, not that, I mean, we both make what we want to make, but. You know, would you think I would be making vodka? I wouldn't think that, but I'm like, okay, this could be interesting. And because of the marketing innovation and what they want to make, I'm forced to leverage what I know and what I do and push myself out of my comfort zone and try something, right? So we, and you run into that too, I'm sure, at some point, Colton. Like, you know, you got to be like, hey, we want to be innovative in this approach of what we're trying to get out to market. So, how are you going to make it to meet that message? Yeah, I mean, sometimes when the liquor store is out of old granddad bottle and bond, I buy Elijah Craig. So, you know. I, how is that relevant <laughs> to the conversation? You are a terrible millennial. You're just the worst. That was, that was very relevant to both the episode and life in general. Um, you've, really, you've really nailed it, Colton. You're killing it. Way to wrap that up with a bow. Yeah. I thought so. You know, you never did an intro for this episode, Brian. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> I will, Use the other one. I wanted you to talk about uh, how I actually innovate, and it's you know my naked distillation method. <laughs> it's Splatter important. is a serious concern. I assume you you just have like a clear bib, one of those see-through. <laughs> no, that, then I'm like a serial killer. That's weird. Um, there's nothing like no, no, yeah, but it's only weird. like a baby bib where it goes down like just right below the chin, just just to protect the the teats. Yeah, there's there's nothing more the liberating than you know being nude around hot pressurized vessels. <laughs> uh, now that's brave. That's bravery right there. Yeah, well, some call it bravery, others call it Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> uh yeah. So I mean, I think that. I, yeah, the marketing side, you're right, Colton. I, I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> do you need me to do a quick intro on the yeah, tail end of this? Yeah, yeah. please intro it now. We won't edit it into the beginning. <laughs> but... <laughs> it will actually just be the end. This is the, st- shit. Yeah. This is the Still Talking <laughs> Podcast, our reverent industry podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Brian. Today we're talking about innovation. Or we did just talk about innovation. This is actually the end of the podcast. We forgot to do an intro, yeah. and now here we start. We're, not, we're so, pre. We're being go. innovative in our introduction. Ooh. Right. Ooh. That was Zig dumb. Zag, Don't baby. ever say that again. So I, I think as <laughs> either like a it. consumer or producer, it's really cool. How do you define innovation? Right? Is it a totally unique product that you haven't had? Is it a better version right. of a product that you have had and love, but it's new and improved? Is it just someone that's super genuine and you believe in what they're doing because they have a rich heritage in it, or they just are approaching it in a way that you can, that resonates with you personally. Those are all things that I think would, would be innovative. Yeah. You think that's innovative? 
I know we're ending the podcast, but what? I think what's innovative? No, everything he said pulling, was a lie. Yeah. He was pulling, trying to see if he could catch him. Pulling job. off of tradition seems very <laughs> not innovative to me. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I think I do think that in a weird way, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna falter. I'm gonna. I'm going to do this the way that... I'm I not going to fall victim to technology and drones. Right, yeah. <laughs> drones? Uh, I want all the only technology to steal by a drone. Of. Dude, this, Skynet isn't going to take your distillery. <laughs> um, ah, a new sponsor. Skynet. <laughs> Skynet. We just, we both have mechanical arms now. <laughs> You know, if there's one thing all three of us hate, it's humans. And so does Skynet. <laughs> no, how can you, like, come on, let's be, let's be creative here. You're innovative, oh, but you're, you're, you're being traditional and, a, and now everyone's being untraditional, non-traditional. Is that, uh, see, that's, that's being that's different. Not being no, innovative. No, no, that's that's where I disagree. That's where I disagree in the in the spirits industry is that we're all being traditional. Every other industry, sure, but wait, is there a train by your house? No. Did you literally move to a new train spot? No, dick bag. <laughs> Somebody's got a train. There's gonna be a train right. in your ass and it's my foot. <laughs> Um, toot toot. Good, good thought. Hey, let's do final say, thoughts. Say something smart. I, yeah, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. Go ahead, Colton, since you had something so profound to say. Please lay it, lay on, it us. on us. Ah, I lost it now. Mm-hmm. Good final thought. That's it. We're good. <laughs> it's really good. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't care. Oh, good. Uh, I'm going to go then. Um, (laughs) However you're innovative, do it because you think it's a good idea, not because you think it'll sell a bunch. That's good. Right? That's really good. Mine is don't be discouraged when you screw it up because there's a really good chance if you're innovating, you're probably going to make some mistakes or you're going to go down some, you know, false paths. You know, you're going to have some false starts and just make sure you are capitalized enough that it's not going to sink you. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not rich. saying go, go the, yeah, be, be really, really, really rich yeah. and do whatever you don't want. Don't be a loser. And when you make, right. Don't be a loser. No, make mistakes, learn from them, you know, test your market, have fun with it. I think the sincerity thing is a big thing, you know, really enjoy what you're doing and just be able to adapt when things don't go as planned. Colton, say something smart. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, do research, guys. Like, do figure out where where people have gone wrong, where people have gone right, and just figure out, you know, what people have tried before. So be innovative, but don't make the same mistakes that, you know, some people like this weird distillery in Nashville has made where, you know, we made a quinoa whiskey. Don't do that. It, <laughs> it doesn't sell. <laughs> doesn't sell. 
<laughs> where they where they went wrong is the uh, <laughs> listener listened to this podcast and that's yeah. your first mistake. Um, yeah. Col- Colton's basically saying copy everyone except for him. Yeah, yeah copy anyone besides the team at Still Talking Podcast. Um, <laughs> True story. All right, gents. All right, find us on. Um, um, yeah, kick. Kick. I don't know. What that is. <laughs> I don't either, but I heard it the other day. So um, look I for our think it's a media thing. Christian singles. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to mingle. Yeah. Right. Find us there. <laughs> Sweet podcast on Christian singles. Right. Garage sale weeklies. We're there. <laughs> Dude, just just use the Google machine. You'll find us. <laughs>